0: Get iXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off iXL membership when they sign up today at iXL.com audio. Visit iXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
1: Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt Belisai. I'm here in my closet, recording far, far away from my producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry.
2: Hey, Matt. So uh, how you doing this week?
1: Oh, you know, we're on week, what, 12 of a pandemic and like week two of a revolution. <laughs> it's great. Things are going great. I also, um, yeah, talking about literally anything else seems so small right now, but I uh, apparently am so tense that I was mixing powder into like a protein powder yeah yeah because I'm a meathead swole I was mixing a protein powder into a some water in a mason jar and the jar just shattered in my (laughs) (laughs) just full incredible hulk I absolutely (laughs) shattered a glass that's how tense I am or it's how strong I am but I'm gonna blame it on tension (laughs)
2: <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, I definitely am at the point where like I'll just be chopping garlic, and then like a little bit of garlic gets on the ground, and then I just fully scream. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I long... it's like I'll like
2: make it through the day okay, and then that happens, and I'm just like,
1: fuck! <laughs> I have long reached the point where like if I drop something, it's that's where it lives now. I it's <laughs> it's just on the ground. I also the other morning. I, I like buying and now my I have my deli containers and I, I fill them with frozen berries that I put in my oatmeal in the morning and the other day I accidentally squeezed that thing too hard and that f- <laughs> <Matt. laughs> <laughs> I am literally like, yeah, I don't know what's happening. And frozen berries went everywhere all over my carpet and and the carpet I have in my kitchen. But the like runner, the rug. So it looks like I murdered someone because there (laughs) is there is like raspberry just streaked across my rug. Anyway, I
2: mean, you're just a responsible Roomba owner. You have to feed your Roomba.
1: Yeah, but then Miss Roomba drags all of that bloody raspberry juice all over my shit. It's not great. It's not great. But that's where we're at.
2: Yeah. And you know what? Uh, we're we're going to be shaking things up. So you want to tell people about what's happening there?
1: Yeah. Heck yes. Today, we're going to kick things off with worst things first, where I chat about uh, the most ridiculous, silliest, stupidest worst news of the week, because the, the real news is horrible. <laughs> and then we've got a brand spanking new recurring segment called Do Better, White People. <laughs> um, let's well think about it as our like accountability segment or corner because um, being able to publicly lament about trivial things like daylight savings and Disney princesses, which we are are fond of doing here on Unhappy Hour, that's fun. But it's also a a literal privilege to joke about dumbass shit right now.
2: Yeah, it very much is. So Matt and I decided that we're going to take that time to talk about different ways we're showing up for the Black Lives Matter movement and how we're learning and ultimately being better allies.
1: We're hoping it'll connect you all to more resources and get all of us excited to keep doing all of this work because the activity of like the past few weeks has obviously been like inspiring eye opening for a lot of people but there's also like a lot of information coming at you from all over the place right now the to-do list is long and uh the reality is like we're we're all not going to solve racism in in a week (laughs) for people who weren't paying attention until now like not great but welcome you you know you're not going to suddenly learn the history and legacy of racism in one week
2: i don't know matt you are an overachiever so
1: uh guess what yeah i'm like 2 days away from solving racism myself <laughs> <laughs> um no it's a whole fucking process and we need to figure out how we make this like a regular thing so that all the action and outrage that we've seen in the past week doesn't just go away once all of the kind of initial fervor goes down and so for us that means like what can we do on this show that's not just kind of, you know, making a statement after a tragedy or, or having to do some like sad segment. It's like, how do we bring that energy to every single episode in an ongoing way? How do we make sure it's not just something we talk about once and forget about and, and say, oh, we did our part. We, we posted our, our thing, but something we like actually weave into the fabric of the show every single week. So in that spirit, we're going to take the time every single week to yeah raise issues, talk about what we can do to help, try to make a difference. So we're starting that this week. And then finally, we'll get into our chasers. And we we don't have an interview this week. I know we said we'd be back to like a normal episode this week or, or a full episode. Guess what? I fucking lied. Okay. <laughs> That's the first lesson in in racism. Don't trust white people, including me. <laughs> Guess what? You just learned your first goddamn lesson. And I'm sorry it had to be this way. Um, no, we do have a few interviews that we uh, we have kind of banked and, and saved that we recorded before the last couple of weeks. And we are excited for you to hear them. But we, we didn't want to put anybody in the position of having to like share an episode. Um,
2: During this time, you know. It's, it's just out of respect yeah
1: we just we just want um to take a time where it's just us for right now not put anybody in the position of you know having to decide if they should promote an appearance they did on on a, a podcast while all the shit is going down so it's just not the not the right time right now but we'll we'll have um our our interviews and we're doing some more and uh eventually.
2: And they're pretty great. They're really great guests and I'm very excited for you guys to hear them eventually.
1: Not to brag, but they're pretty good. (laughs) So let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's start the show. All right. Horse things first. Let's talk about the stupidest news of the week. (laughs) I even just starting with this sounds so dumb. Winston is a pug. Hell yeah. Believed to have been the first dog to contract the coronavirus in oh, the no. U.S.
2: That took a turn. <laughs> Hero. Hero. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah. And then the, the U.S. Department of Agriculture was like, guess what, everybody? We can all rest easy because Winston's name has been cleared. He is not the first dog to have coronavirus. Sounds like great news, right? Yeah. Wrong. No. Because they, in the same breath, they were like, um, yeah, Winston wasn't the first one, but this other dog is the first one to have coronavirus. <laughs> a German Shepherd in New York making him the first official case of corona in a dog. And German Shepherds are the police dogs of dogs. So um are we surprised? Sounds like they had it coming to them. Are we surprised? Karma's a bitch. This German Shepherd? A literal bitch. Oh. Uh,
2: well, we don't know if this German Shepherd is a girl.
1: Well, all dogs are girls. Sorry. And <laughs> cats. I don't know how they reproduce. This has been Science with Matt. So basically, it's been confirmed. this The first official dog with coronavirus in the U.S. Weird. I don't know. It's just weird it feels so weird it's like oh right we're still in the middle of the pandemic and yeah. also dogs are getting it
2: also like uh, how would you even make a mask for them i feel like it's a muzzle a fabric lined to muzzle but otherwise the mask would just have to be so long it would kind of look like a jock strap
1: sure but strap a jock strap onto your dog i'm so
2: sorry Except not on a pug. Their faces, they
1: are too flat. Pugs are fucked up. It's shocking to me that, uh, yeah, they even thought a pug could get it in the first place. It's like that motherfucker can't breathe. They can't to breathe. Begin with. So how is he going to breathe in <laughs> droplets of, of, of infected saliva? He can't. <laughs> According to some veterinary groups, it remains unlikely that household pets can contract COVID-19, and also, no evidence has, has been found to suggest that animals can transmit the disease back to humans. We don't know yet. I don't know. I Again, since this episode is largely about kind of yelling at white people again, stop making out with your dogs. Just for just for the end of the pandemic, I know there's a lot of Karens out there who want to go tongue deep into <laughs> their little chow-wows. Not not now. Now it's not the time because you don't know what you're passing in between. This is how shit spreads. It's because you think, oh, it's just my dog. I'll 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 tongue to tongue him. <laughs> no, you can't. And you probably should stop.
2: I gotta say, I love dogs so much, and that's very obvious in every part of my being. I am so disgusted by licking. I, I have since I was little. I, like there are people who genuinely enjoy like when a dog licks their hand. And I find that to be disgusting.
1: No, it's... Yeah, then there are, like, literally... Like, there's uh, actual children's, like, science experiments. It's like, here's why your dog's mouth is actually cleaner than a toilet seat. (laughs) It's like, I don't need (laughs) science to prove why I should make out with my dog. I'm very (laughs) confident in not putting my face near my dog's tongue in any way.
2: I have seen him eat chicken bones off the street too many times
1: to count. Yeah, That is the thing about walking in New York City, is it's like, I have walked behind a number of dogs that would literally eat pure shit off the ground. Pure shit. Possibly human shit. So yeah, the the USDA and um, some veterinary groups, they're like, basically, uh, avoid contact with your pets if you have coronavirus. Um, Cause they, they might get sick. And if you're unable to uh, find someone else to take care of your pet, then they suggest that you wear a mask with every interaction and wash your hands before and after <sighs> like a decent fucking human being. Okay. Next a man in Vermont. <laughs> okay. Yeah, now we're getting to the good stuff. (laughs) A man in Vermont is facing assault charges after allegedly throwing a large pickle out of a car window and hitting a traffic worker. (laughs) Since when is it illegal to throw pickles out of windows? Okay, if throwing pickles out of windows is illegal, then lock me up. Lock me up. I do it every day.
2: I would love to have a pickle thrown at me. You know what I fucking love?
1: pickles yeah you know how much i would pay right now for someone to slap me in the face with a hard pickle (laughs) Uh, you should count yourself lucky sir i am i'm actually pretty indifferent about pickles
2: oh i love them that's one of the that's one of the quarantine activities that people are like you should get into pickling and i just feel like there's no way that the pickle i make will ever be as good as the pickles i buy (laughs)
1: Yeah, the fact that pickling is like a verb and not just one particular thing, which is a a cucumber dipped in a bunch of dumbass shit, (laughs) vinegar. I just, yeah, I can't get behind pickling other stuff that's not cucumbers. That's insane. That's insane. That's insane that people do that.
2: What about a pickled onion?
1: No, what the fuck is that? (laughs) I don't want... It's a condiment. I hate onions. First of all, we know this. Second of all... Okay, I'm sorry. That was really
2: rude of me. What did I
1: just say? Pickling (laughs) one thing. Pickled tomatoes, pickled... Ugh, no, absolutely not. You walk in I hate you walk into some restaurants or delis and they just have a giant ass jar of pickles or other shit? No, okay, Dr. Frankenstein. With with your fucking chemist ass laboratory shit. No. Oh are we gonna we gonna wait for lightning to strike the top of this restaurant and then that whatever creature you have growing in your little jar is gonna come to life and kill all the townspeople? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> Anyway,
2: do you have any opinions about pickles?
1: <laughs> That's f- fuck racist family members. <laughs> I'm screaming about pickles exclusively today. Anyway, the man who uh, threw the pickle, his name is Christoph Hermannsdorfer. <laughs> here we go again with the Germans. I'm just making an assumption here. But Her- Hermannsdorfer, <laughs> it sounds pretty um, sauerkraut-y to me, if you, if you know what I mean. Is sauerkraut German? I think so. It sounds German.
2: It's pickled cabbage. You know that, right?
1: Yeah, which is why it's fucking disgusting.
2: <laughs> I love it so much.
1: Oh, no, absolutely not. Anyway, so the man, uh, Christoph Hermensdorfer, er- threw the pickle from his car window and struck a traffic worker, quote, causing him pain. It's like, okay, <laughs> how much pain could a projectile pickle prompt if a projectile pickle could prompt pain?
2: wow say that four times fast
1: how much pain could a projectile pickle produce if a projectile pickle could produce pain how much (laughs) i give up i already give up but truly it's like how uh, you you got hurt from a fucking pickle dude come on come on i don't want a victim blame here but man up (laughs) <laughs> it was also unclear if Mr. Erman's was actually aiming for the worker, if it was just like a pure like coincidence that he just happened to throw a large pickle from his window and strike a construction worker.
2: I mean, typically when I'm throwing pickles out of my window, I'm not necessarily thinking about the physics of it, you know, like what it would hit at what speed. And you know, it's just a it's it's a half hazard thought. You just go for it.
1: It reminds me of those signs that are always like, hit a construction worker. (laughs) Um, They always sound like they're offering you a prize (laughs) if you do it. (laughs) It's like, hit a construction worker, $1,000. But it's a fine and up to 14 years in jail. Except this guy, it doesn't apply to hitting them with pickles. It only applies to hitting them with cars.
2: I feel like it's really important for them to state that on the sign just so that we're not confused in the future.
1: Just an asterisk. You can put it in small print, but the language should be there. I'm just saying. Next! Health officials in Niagara Falls are on the lookout for two baby raccoons that were apparently... Handed out by an unidentified resident outside of a 7-Eleven.
2: Of course.
1: <laughs> 7-Eleven. They really have it all. <laughs> Talk about a convenience store, am I right? You get your sweaty rotating meats. You get your packet of suspicious mail enhancement pills that they sell at the register. Always. And then you, get a, you get a baby raccoon on the way out. Honestly,
2: that sounds like a perfect shopping cart.
1: Uh, according to the local news someone handed out nine baby raccoons uh, seven wow. of which have been recovered but two of them are still at large
2: so when you say handing out nine baby ra- did like was it a box that said puppies on it and people just thought that they were puppies but they were really <laughs> raccoons or did people want i just feel like they're not hard to come by you know what i mean
1: where are you? Okay, I'll, I'm telling you right now I would like a baby raccoon. Where am I finding one?
2: Go to a trash can.
1: No. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to my 7-Eleven. My local 7 I'm getting an, a big old slushy, and I'm getting a baby raccoon. And I'll, I'll name him something adorable like Patch.
2: Oh, that is a very cute name for a little
1: raccoon. I also picture, I'm really picturing like a Girl Scout cookie table, um, <laughs> except it, it's, it's baby raccoons.
2: Oh, man, did we miss Girl Scout season? Usually there's just like someone in our office building has a kid who's a Girl Scout who will like take advantage of their parents workplace and like go and sell a bunch of cookies. And it's usually the best day of the year. But I just realized that we didn't (laughs) we didn't get that.
1: I haven't seen or heard from an actual Girl Scout in ever. I don't think I've ever actually seen a Girl Scout. (laughs) (laughs) They're more they're more myths and legend than they are reality for me like Bigfoot getting back to the topic at hand I just want to know who is like you know what we're in the middle of a pandemic but I am going to accept a wild potentially rabid baby rodent from a complete stranger in the parking lot of a convenience store who is like just the complete opposite of an impulse purchase like I just feel like if you if you do genuinely want a baby raccoon, you should probably plan for that. It's not just something you uh, you pick up like a Snickers bar on, on impulse at the end of getting your taquitos and uh, four loco. They still don't know how the particular individual came uh, across the raccoons. You do in the state of wherever Niagara Falls is need a special caretaker's license, so. FYI. There you go. Next, a medieval ghost village frozen in time and buried at the bottom of a lake is about to resurface in Italy. Nope. Yeah, you know what we don't fucking need right now? A ghost village emerging from the Italian deep. (laughs) Unless it's Atlantis, I don't want to see it. It might as well be. The village called Fabrici di (laughs) Carreggine. Oh, you can do better than that. <laughs> I'm I'm afraid to pronounce it because my Italian ancestors, who are coming back to life and or, or because this of this village. emerging village, are going to come and haunt me. Okay, the village called Fabrici di Correggini. That's that sounds. Sure. That was me doing chef's kiss. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> I know. I just transported you to the bottom of an Italian lake with with that imagery. Um, The village was founded by a group of blacksmiths in the 13th century and was famous for the production of iron. Um, So yeah, we have a bunch of ghost blacksmiths, especially that I don't want to fucking deal with. We're talking about ghosts who can produce swords and hammers. That's what we're talking about. And pizza pans because it is Italy. And those tongs that you use to to twirl spaghetti, like they do in fancy restaurants, because you mm, can't just yes, get a pile yes. of spaghetti; you have to have it twirled around like a little tornado.
2: Now you're kind of selling me on this idea. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, so it's the super old village that I guess in 1947 they built this hydroelectric dam nearby and and they were like, okay, everybody in this village has to move because there's going to be a lake here now. We decided. I don't
2: understand.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand that either. <laughs> I was just like, is everything in Europe so old that they're just like, well, we have to build the lake, so like we're going to have to disturb some like hundreds hundreds of year old village
2: i also remember very vividly the first day that i learned that like lakes could be (laughs) man-made like i just it was shocking to me you you never like look at a lake and you're like oh yes we did that like that's fucking nuts
1: yeah the existence of of man-made lakes pretty upsetting (laughs) pretty upsetting Since they constructed this dam in 1947, the lake has been emptied only four times and each time uh, the haunting outline of this village begins to emerge and then a whole bunch of tourists like flock to it uh, and take pictures. I guess now they like do it just so that tourists will come and take pictures. Oh, no. It just seems like a whole lot. Like build the fucking lake somewhere else. (laughs) Why did you build a lake here? (laughs) Yeah, the last time that the village appeared was in 1994. Thousands of people flocked there. And now it's like the daughter of an (laughs) ex-mayor. This is the literal source of this entire article. Was that the daughter of an ex-mayor said on Facebook that she thinks, she she like heard that they're going (laughs) to... that's why that's why the story is so so dumb because the mirror the the, like think it was the daily mirror that this article is from they were like you know what we heard this from someone's daughter (laughs) that they're gonna uh, have this village come back they're gonna drain this lake let's run it let's run there's nothing else happening in the world right now we're gonna run with this story
2: and here we are
1: and here we are repeating all of it (laughs) anyway and finally Stay with me here because this one's a doozy. A woman in West Virginia named Julie Wheeler was reported missing last week by her husband, Rodney, and their 17-year-old son. Um, The husband and son, Rodney and their son, said that they believed that she'd fallen from an overlook at this national park, uh, according to a park service ranger. Um, the the park service chief was like, yes, someone did observe the woman looking over the overlook, and, and when they turned around and looked back, she was gone. That's really all the information we have right now. So it's like super sad. Emergency crews were brought in for the search, along with like canines. They had all of these different units looking for this woman. Uh, ultimately, they didn't. They couldn't find her in the park. Rodney posts a message to Facebook, it being like. Yes, the accident that they were talking about, that was my wife. They haven't found her yet. I'm holding out hope that she will be found and that she is okay. I am heartbroken and lost right now, but I have to have faith. Please give us the time to work through this, and please keep us in your thoughts and prayers. So that happened on, like, a Sunday. Authority spent all of Sunday, all of Monday looking for her. Then on Tuesday, they opened up a closet in their house and found that she was alive and fucking well, (laughs) hiding in a closet in their home. Was she recording a podcast? Recording a podcast. (laughs) She's one of the interviews we're going to have on later. She's one of our guests. Yeah. Please look out Julie Wheeler on next week's episode. (laughs) Uh, No, apparently, uh, according to now a criminal complaint, Rodney and the son faked her death. In order, they planted items of hers at the Overlook, where they then reported that they saw her and she fell over. Um, And it's because she pleaded guilty in February to healthcare fraud and was awaiting sentencing. She could face up to 10 years in prison. So they were like, you know what? We have a much better idea. Instead of going to prison, why don't we fake your fucking death and hide you in a closet? No one will ever know. But they made it, they did... All of this shit in the middle of a pandemic, making the police look around for her, bringing in police dogs and being like, let's look for my wife. And then he had the audacity to post this message on Facebook with his wife (laughs) breathing heavily in the closet next door. Yeah. Big old scheme. Big old scheme. I would love to fake my own death one day.
2: Oh, man. I don't know if you've been watching this season of Riverdale but uh, there's a fake death situation. It is probably the craziest, most ridiculous faked death plot I've ever seen.
1: I uh, heard Kim, right? What? Kim is the character? Who is Kim? Kim Jong-un.
2: Oh. <laughs> okay, okay. I was just like, wait, is there, there are so many characters on Riverdale that I was just ready to believe that I don't know which one character that is
1: kim jong-un might as well be a riverdale character (laughs) because yeah that was one of my favorite stories of the year when everyone was like oh fuck kim jong-un is dead and then he was like guess what just kidding and that's it for this week's worst things first next we'll be heading into our accountability corner aka do better white people uh, our new segment where we'll give you some actual like action items stuff that you can actually do we'll get into that next right after this commercial break All right, Barry, welcome to our new segment, a little segment we like to call Do Better White People. At least that's what we're calling it right now. I don't know what we'll call it in the future. Uh, The point is, this is where we give a few uh, practical tips on how we have been practicing and how you, our listeners, can help practice some good, um... Anti racism.
2: Okay, so first of all, I just want to say that a- an important part of this segment is that all of the resources we're going to be talking about are coming from Black people and Black activists and organizations because it's important to be amplifying those voices. And also, like, that's what listening is we're listening to the people who are most affected by all this and doing what they tell us to do. <laughs> So I just want to point that out. And we will link straight back to those places and organizations and people in our show notes. So I want to bring up the fact that we are recording this on Brianna Taylor's birthday. Today would have been her 27th birthday. Uh, And there's a writer, Kate Young, and she goes by Batty Mamzell on Instagram, which once again, we'll put that in the show notes. But she put together this really amazing campaign because we've quite frankly, like we haven't been talking about Breonna Taylor as much as we've been talking about George Floyd. And she does not have the justice that she deserves. And the writer, Kate Young, she put together this really amazing campaign with a lot of action items. They're very simple. uh, And some of them are donating to Breonna Taylor's sister. GoFundMe, which I did this week, or signing a petition to bring justice for her, and also one of the action items is sending birthday cards to the Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron and demanding that he lay charges against the officers who killed Breonna Taylor. So that's going to be my activity for tonight. I'm going to be sending a card to the Attorney General Daniel Cameron, and also going to be supporting the USPS. I'm going to be throwing some stamps on there. <laughs> Good for you. What about you? What are you doing this week?
1: A couple things. One, I shared this list that there was uh, a thing going around Instagram. There's a lot of stuff on Instagram right now, which was part of the the idea behind this segment is that once, you know, it's hard to kind of focus on okay, there's so much to do right now and I I fear that people will get burnt out. And so, I posted on Instagram there was a thing called 40 ways you can help right now. Some of those ways, I mean, it's this was like super simple stuff, but part of that was like a list of organizations to follow on Instagram. We can also put those in the show notes, but just following these places on Instagram, like Black Lives Matter, the official Black Lives Matter account, Color of Change, the NAACP showing up for racial justice, civil rights org. There's eight of them on this particular list. We can put those in the show notes. But the reality is, like, yes, all of this information is hitting your Instagram feed right now in large part because it's spilled over into the celebrity feeds that you you follow and, like, your friends. And But the fear is that once that fervor sort of dies down and the celebrities that you follow stop posting about stuff and your friends don't feel that same pressure, like some of that information is going to disappear from your feed. And so it's important to follow these accounts. It's just like making sure that this type of information is part of your regular social media diet and that you're not just seeing it now because it's spilling over into celebrities and friends, but like you're following the places that are going to be showing you what you can do and like stuff that you should be talking about and focused on year-round so we'll put that in the show notes it's super simple but just following like these eight places as a start is a good place to start
2: i also want to shout out it very much in that vein my sister put me on to sassy latte is her instagram handle and her bio is quote i teach people to have critical discussions on intersectional feminism without sacrificing an ounce of glam and she like truly means that um and it's just a great account And I started supporting her on Patreon, too. But, like, it's important to follow those organizations. But there's also just, like, a lot of activists and writers and, like, people whose opinions maybe you don't normally get in your everyday life that you can follow in the same way that you would want to follow other celebrities. Um, So I she is someone in particular who I've been really glad that I that I smashed that follow button for.
1: Yeah, I do. I think in the future, too, like lifting up and, and raising more of those voices, can be an important part of this segment because i also want to make sure like that if you're a white person listening to this it's not just like oh i'm gonna go follow a bunch of organizations that are going to like be feeding me like sad statistics it's like making sure that you're also following places that are like celebrating black people (laughs) and it's not just about like the injustices of that like there's It's it's all it's all part of it. Yeah. And then my my other thing was uh, it's Pride Month. Uh, I mentioned this documentary last week, um, but I hadn't watched it and I watched it this week. It's called The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson. Uh, Marsha B. Johnson was a trans uh, woman, a trans black woman who is credited as being like one of the people who like threw the first brick at Stonewall. It's unclear whether she actually was no matter what she was like instrumental in the beginning of the gay liberation movement. And I didn't really know her whole story. So the documentary is on Netflix. And it centers around the fact that she was her body was found in the Hudson River and the police really just didn't give a shit and didn't investigate it. It was unclear. Like, was she murdered? Did she commit suicide? Um, uh, Like, it's not it doesn't say directly that she was like killed by the police. But the the reality is like all of the people who loved her and she's like a, a fixture of the gay liberation movement like nobody has closure on what actually happened to her. And it was because the police department like didn't care enough to investigate her case. So it follows around um, this trans woman in present day who is, who is going back and trying to kind of reopen this kind of cold case and figure out what happened to Mm Marsha. So, yeah, I mean, it is like, it's a heavy documentary (laughs) and it also deals with the fact that like, particularly trans women of color are like among the most, most vulnerable in the LGBTQ community and are the most likely to be murdered and the most likely to be homeless and how like the places that are stepping up to provide the resources for these communities and these people, like they don't have the, like if you are, if you, you have to choose between like, do you investigate a cold case for an icon like Marsha P. Johnson or do you investigate a murder that happened like last month mm-hmm. and like it sucks that you have to choose between those two things and so the documentary sort of gets at like yeah how like underserved the trans community is uh, particularly trans women of color there was one uh, person I, I saw on Twitter Twitter user Jace by Jason who did tweet and I do feel like this is important to point out that a lot of white gays Invoke the name of Marsha P. Johnson at the beginning of pride month, myself included. They say stuff like, remember queer people of color, like fought for you. Or remember black trans women started the Stonewall riots. And what sometimes gets lost in that is the fact that like uh, Marsha P. Johnson was not fighting for white gays to be able to get married. (laughs) Like she was, she was fighting for like black trans women to be seen. Yeah. Um, And to like have a space and so it's like important for white gays especially to recognize that like there's still like such a far way to go that like yeah they didn't die for like your right to like post your abs on instagram (laughs) um like you benefited from the work that they did but you were not the focus of their work and it's like the communities the like queer communities of color were the focus of their work and those communities still need help right so just like an important thing to remember as you watch this documentary i do suggest it so yeah to summarize follow a bunch of the accounts that we'll post in the show notes take a moment to donate to brianna taylor's family send a card to the kentucky attorney general demanding justice for her and then um watch the death and life of marsha p johnson All right, we're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are some of the good stuff that helps all the bad shit go down easier. Starting with the TV we've been watching this week. Barry, what you been watching?
2: So I started watching a show that I had been very hesitant to watch for a while because everyone was like, oh, you just love to watch everyone on it because you hate everyone. And I was like, I don't want that energy right now. But we caved and we decided to give Succession a try.
1: Okay, the whitest show ever.
2: <laughs> it is truly the whitest show ever. We started watching this like two weeks ago. Uh, it is it is in fact the whitest show ever. Uh, and it is in fact very entertaining. So that's what I started watching. I feel like part of why I was so hesitant is because everyone made it seem like they all hate each other, too. And like they do, but not in the way that I thought. And it's also funny, which I did not think was going to be the case. Yeah, so,
1: it is like a dark comedy.
2: Yeah. So that's what I'm watching. How about you?
1: Uh, My thing. Well, I also have been like watching mostly the office because it's just like that is my that is my comfort food
2: that's what your brain can handle right now
1: (laughs) but i also watched another documentary called circus of books have you seen or heard of this
2: oh i haven't seen it but i've heard about it yeah
1: fair warning it is not for children (laughs) um it is about a bookstore in san francisco that was a basically uh, like one of the biggest distributors of gay porn <laughs> <laughs> and it was run by. Yeah. And they show some r- rather graphic stuff. I mean, there's that you're not like, going to be like watch porn, but like, you know, there's there's some willies. There's some <laughs> willies and wonkas. Wow. Flapping around. Um, but mostly it's just like the cover of the most you'll see is probably like the cover of a DVD case. Um but yeah, um, so Circus of Books was a gay porn store in San Francisco, and it was run by these, like, kind of, like, straight-shooting Jewish couple. And Hell yeah, it's super, it's super fascinating. The documentary is by their daughter, and it's sort of, it's about their family and how they, like, came to, they didn't really expect, I mean, like, the central character is the mother who, like, doesn't really like porn and like they go to like a porn convention and she's like I'm not even gonna like look at this wall of dildos It like makes me sick <laughs> even though she is like
2: I mean you, you don't always have to like the work you do
1: <laughs> right she's like the rest of us you know you you, you have a job to do and you do it um, but it also talks about the complication of like one of her sons comes out and like she does she is not really on board with it and like the kind of juxtaposition of that with the fact that she runs this porn shop um it was super fascinating and like yeah i feel like watching a lot of like gay documentaries is good for for pride month um especially if they're about porn um which yeah i mean we're in the middle of a pandemic still so i'm just saying this household (laughs) it knows its way around an adult film okay (laughs) Let's just say that. Gorgeous. But yeah, I I mean like the beginning of it it gets at the idea that like especially in the gay community like porn is where a lot of gay people saw themselves represented for the first time. <laughs> it's, oh, it's so interesting. It's weird. <laughs> but like, you know, that's you're you're not learning about gay sex in like sex ed class. Um, you know, you're learning about it from your Willy Wonkas, you know. So anyway, it's a good documentary. Definitely not for children. And you might even see um, you know, a, a pee pee or two. <laughs> what wow. is your non TV chaser?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think my first non TV chaser is hearing you say a pee pee or two.
1: <laughs> also the dad is is named Barry. So you know.
2: There you go. Yeah. It's me and a lot of old Jewish men. Sure. Um, so mine on TV Chaser, you know, we had talked last week about all the books that we got, and I just got some of those books in the mail, which I'm very excited about. But I also was like I- I've been reading the Dune series, which is like a very long, long series. Yeah.
1: I ordered it. Oh really? I have yeah, it's on my it's on my in my pile now.
2: Nice. I am on book three, which is like six hundred something pages, and I was like, between that and all of these like really intense and important like books about race. I was like, I also need something that brings levity, but also is just not a super long, like, ongoing narrative. And so I've been meaning to read one of Samantha Irby's book of essays, and I haven't read any of them. And so I got Wow No Thank You, and I started reading it last night, and I loved it so much. So it made me laugh. It's really great, and I'm really enjoying it. So, yeah.
1: I love Samantha Irby. Hard agree. I have all of her books.
2: What about you? What's your chaser?
1: Mine is also a book. I'm also waiting for... uh, Look at
2: us. I know.
1: There's something about... um, I feel like this week we've been in, like, quarantine long enough now where, like... I've gotten used to it. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I don't know, my I, I, I think my attention span is starting to return, I guess is my point. So I've Ooh. been able to read.
2: I think it's also because you went back to
1: Starbucks. <laughs> also, yeah, I'm more, caffeinated. So that does help. Um, but yeah, well, I'm, I'm still waiting for a lot of the stuff that I ordered to, to get in. Um, so I was kind of like going through my bookshelves and seeing what I hadn't read. And one of them is, this is embarrassing, but I'd never read anything by James Baldwin before.
2: Same. I'm very uh, ashamed to say
1: yeah and he and I share a birthday wow month date and year actually I don't know if you know this but I'm like yeah I was born in like 1940 something um I always forget I forget my birthday every time 1924 not even (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I am um 96 years old So I had Giovanni's Room, which is one of his novels. Um, He's also written a lot of like essays about race, but he's I mean, he's like a novelist. Um, And so I'm almost done with that. And it is like super gay. And it was, like, written in the 1950s, and it's one of, like, the gayest books ever. Um, (laughs) Really? I had no idea. Yeah. This is, like, pre-gay liberation. I mean, it does deal with the, like, it's about a guy who falls in in love with another guy and then has to, like, deal with this fact that, like, oh, shit, he likes guys and, like, hates himself for it. (laughs) it's not like the the most joyous thing in the world um and it is also like a tragedy um but yeah i mean it's like fascinating that this book was written like years before the gay liberation movement and it is like super super gay
2: nice um one one of the books that i ordered was go tell it on the mountain which is also james baldwin
1: yeah then I also ordered like a bunch of his books the, uh, the fact is I have about 40 books on their way and um <laughs> yeah i so I need to get in the mood to read because uh, those books they're they're gonna start piling up and I need to read them uh yeah w- I mean what else am I gonna do in the middle of in the middle of a pandemic go outside I don't think so okay Ooh. Anyway, that is it for this week's episode of Unhappy Hour. You can head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, where we get podcasts, hit that subscribe button, then rate us and review us. But only if it's nice. I don't want to hear your shit. Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Melissa Slaughter, and me, Matt Belisai. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. Our music is by Hans Dale Su. You can bother Barry at Finkleberry Pie. You can worship me at Matt Bellisai. And you can follow Unhappy Hour Pod on Twitter for all the latest podcast buzz. And that's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. See you next week. (gasps) (laughs) Bye-bye.
2: I'm surprised you haven't done this one
1: before. (laughs) It rattles in my brain constantly.